Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following articles are from the Winter 2020-2021 California Freemason Magazine, and this issue of the magazine focuses on designing the future, which is the theme, Vision 2050, Updating a Timeless Mission. So our first article is The Deconstructed Lodge. The Masonic Lodge of Tomorrow is already here, and it doesn't have an address, by Anton Perucci. A young man steps off the Hyperloop tram, straightening his square and compass lapel pin. He's approaching a downtown museum where he'll soon enjoy a seven-course meal, followed by a lecture on 18th-century Masonic esotericism. Although the lodge that organized tonight's event meets only occasionally, he's glad for the chance to gather with a group of fellow history lovers. His Masonic calendar has been busy lately. Last week, he met with his charity lodge, a virtual gathering of Masonic video gamers is planned for the following week, and his home lodge is preparing for a degree ceremony the week after that. This imagined future of California Masonry isn't as far off as it might seem. The Lodge of Tomorrow, and thus the Masonic experience of tomorrow, will surely be different from today's, which in form and size hasn't changed much in a half a century. But that facade of uniformity belies a more fluid past. Since the formation of the Grand Lodge of California more than 170 years ago, Masons have met in everything from ornate temples to tiny lean-tos. Indeed, the Lodge as a concept was never intended to be immutable, and the Lodge of Tomorrow won't be any different. California's Masonic Lodges have always reflected the lives of their members. The earliest gatherings were tiny congregations in mining camps where people from around the world established a network of mutual support. By mid-century, the expanding post-war middle class helped lodges grow into enormous civic institutions with several hundred members looking to participate in a shared experience. Now, increasingly, California lodges are adapting to reflect a nimbler generation in search of profound personal experiences. The Lodge of 2050 is here. To get a glimpse of Masonry's future, look no further than the trio of California lodges currently under dispensation. Each typifies important social and cultural trends, and together they point the way to a likely future for the craft. Each is intentionally small, mobile, and unencumbered by the administration of a lodge hall or temple. Most important, each of them is organized around a clearly expressed raison d'etre, whereas in the past lodges were established where demand exceeded capacity, these groups are held together by a shared philosophy, according to Michael Ramos, Lodge Development Manager for the Grand Lodge of California. Unless they have an identified culture of meaning that they're cultivating, Grand Lodge won't even accept the application, he says. One of these new lodges is the 33, whose primary purpose is philanthropy. Membership is capped at just 33, and members are required to be Grand Master level donors to the California Masonic Foundation. Dues of $1,200 per year fund an annual $10,000 philanthropic budget, says Art Salazar, the current Grand Treasurer and founding Master of the Lodge. And since this was written, Art Salazar is now the Junior Grand Warden. 
Beyond the focus on charity, the Lodge's members envision a, gr a level of grandeur to their meetings, which will take place at various unusual locations, such as Hollywood's Magic Castle, where its first meeting is tentatively scheduled for spring 2021. However, Salazar stresses that membership in the 33 is meant to augment Mason's connection to the fraternity, not replace them. We'd be sad if one of our members left his home lodge to join us, Salazar says. A possible rule change may make that kind of dual lodge membership more feasible. Legislation to be voted on next year would allow lodges to meet less frequency than the currently mandated once per month. The 33 is among those that would propose meeting quarterly, making the time commitment of its multiple lodge members far more reasonable. For the moment, that's beyond the scope of the California Masonic Code, but as everyone knows, rules can change. Even within the current code, there exists some exceptions to the norm. The Columbia Historic Lodge, also under dispensation, operates as a sort of preservation society dedicated to the management of the Masonic Hall inside Columbia Historic State Park. Like a research lodge, Columbia Historic does not confer degrees. It meets once a year, during which its membership congregates for a short business session, followed by a celebratory dinner, capping what for many is a family weekend getaway in the Sierra foothills. The Goldilocks Concept Expanding the possibilities for less frequent or quarterly meetings could open the door to all sorts of opportunities for members to affiliate with multiple lodges, including ones like the 33 that suit a narrowly defined interest. Hermes Lodge is another such lodge. Unlike the 33, the group opted for a permanent home inside the Long Beach Scottish Rite Temple, where its members are dedicated to the study of esoterica. Joseph Newman, the lodge's senior warden, is the man behind the Instagram handle at Keepers of the Word, a Masonic esoteric research group with 35,000 followers. Newman hopes to tap into that rich vein of interest with Hermes Lodge. We want to craft the experience around the mysticism and magic we think are central to traditional masonry, he says. Donald Joe, junior warden for the lodge, says the Scottish Rite Temple suits that vision. The extensive library and the overall feel of the temple fit our purpose perfectly. Clearly, not every new lodge is for every member. Rather, they aim to be just right for a distinct few. Where the 33 and Hermes tend toward grand ornate visions of what a lodge meeting can be, another newly instituted lodge, Palos Verdes, based in Gardena, is taking things in another direction. Its members are aiming for a kid-friendly environment with frequent, casual family gatherings, according to Secretary René Andalajau. Newman puts it plainly, having a central idea is allowing us to craft a lodge of brothers who all have something in common. What he's describing is essentially the Affinity Lodge, a common phenomenon in other Masonic jurisdictions, particularly in England. These lodges, which meet infrequently, exist in parallel to home lodges and are built around even narrower areas of interest. Things like classic cars or a favorite soccer club. These aren't neighborhood groups. Often members travel a great distance to attend meetings in, say, London once or twice a year. Some notable English affinity lodges include Radio Fraternity No. 8040, whose members are amateur radio operators, and Shotokan Karate No. 9752, whose members practice martial arts. In the United States, examples are fewer in number, but they're not unheard of. In the spring, this magazine featured Maryland's St. Florian 911 Lodge No. 238, an affinity lodge for firefighters. Lodges based at a university were common in the mid-20th century, and California includes foreign language lodges like Maya No. 793 and Pan American No. 513, both of which work the degrees in Spanish. These aren't te technically affinity lodges, as they hold degree ceremonies and meet monthly. On the other hand, they show that the idea of a themed lodge is one we're already familiar with. 
If affinity style lodges take hold, it will become more possible, even desirable, to affiliate with several. Future Masons will be able to curate their own Masonic experience by joining up with multiple groups that fit their personality. Movable Feasts Each of these new lodges embodies a well-defined theme and is intended to deepen, not replace, the existing Masonic experience. What's missing from the picture is the actual lodge hall. The days of wanting to or even being able to afford real estate are long gone, Ramos says. Instead, tomorrow's lodges will choose meeting places that fit their individual needs, whether that's in an existing hall, a library, or a private club. When the intimate Freemasons Hall opened inside the California Memorial Masonic Temple in 2019, nine different lodges began sharing the space. None of them is responsible for the administrative burden of managing it. No one got into masonry to become a landlord, Ramos says. Freed of the need to form hall associations, repair a leaky roof, or find rental tenants, these lodges are able to direct their attention toward richer pursuits, like hosting guest lectures or family picnics or charity drives. Small and intimate, meaningful and relatable, agile and flexible. Somewhere in this alchemical brew lies the future of California's Masonic Lodges. The Bedrock Lodges What then of the 300-plus other lodges in California, many of which proudly own a lodge hall and have histories going back 150 years? Is there room in this vision for the traditional California lodge? In a word, yes. Small affinity-style lodges need not replace the estate's existing lodges. In fact, they can enhance them by repositioning them as a parent lodge, the place where degrees are conferred and where masons come together in large numbers. Says John L. Cooper III, a past grandmaster who has experienced lodge life in just about every part of the state, I've been the master of five different lodges since 1969. Masonic lodges will continue to evolve, but the suburban model of a lodge involved in its local community will always be important in California Freemasonry. By offering tomorrow's prospects a range of satellite options orbiting around deeply rooted parent lodge, Ramos says the fraternity will be positioned to draw in ever more members who will see in California Freemasonry an organization suited to their world rather than their grandparents. The future may never be completely knowable, but at least one thing is certain. Change, big or small, is here to stay. Next up, meet the 20 and 30-somethings pushing the fraternity forward. Want to know what the Freemason of tomorrow looks like? Then take a glance down the tail end of the membership rolls, where a generation of millennial and Gen Z Masons are already beginning to reshape the fraternity in their image. While the youngest segment of Masons are a diverse bunch, representing all manner of professions, interests, and backgrounds, they share a desire to engage with something bigger than themselves, something extraordinary. For some, that means forming a deep connection with Lodge Brothers, people they'd never meet otherwise. For others, it's finding a pathway to spiritual and intellectual meaning. In both cases, these young Masons say they want and expect a transformative experience within the Lodge that enhances their lives outside it. A lot of younger Masons are looking for something profound, says 31-year-old Mark Stroop of Las Palmas, Ponderosa, number 366. These Masonic exemplars are having a deep impact on both their lodge and community, and in doing so, represent Masonry's vanguard, leading the fraternity boldly into the future. Name, Alan Clayton. Age, 34. Occupation, barbershop owner. Lodge, La Jolla, number 518. A new look in La Jolla. When Alan Clayton walked into the lodge hall of La Jolla number 518 for the first time, he didn't know what kind of reception he'd get. Clayton, a heavily tattooed barber, acknowledges that his ink can invite skepticism in certain situations. 
But rather than give him the side eye, the Masons of La Jolla No. 518 welcomed him right away. Two of the most senior members of the Lodge, Bob Jesse, 93, and Joseph Allen, 84, sat with Clayton during the first Lodge dinner and asked him about his work and family. The longer I'm a Mason, the more I realize that it's all about the internal qualities of a person, Clayton says. The Masons in the room understood that right away, everyone just got it. That sense of camaraderie suited Clayton to a T, and before long, he petitioned to join. Once in, Clayton helped refresh the Lodge's image, not dramatically, insists, just an update to its look, a little off the side, you might say. Just little changes I wanted to see, he says, to make it more suited to young people joining. That meant revamping the Lodge's social media pages, particularly on Instagram, and organizing outings to Padres games and the goals of minor league hockey. Prior to the COVID-19 lockdown, the Lodge was hosting a different outing every week on rotating days, so as many people as possible could participate. In 2019, the Lodge named Clayton its Mason of the Year. That proactive approach is a page taken from his professional life. When the barbershop where he worked came up for sale in 2016, Clayton purchased it himself. I was afraid someone would step in and treat it differently, he says. While running the business means added stress and responsibility, Clayton says he's begun to see that as a positive. I feel like I can rise to the occasion, he says. I've found ways to enjoy the pressure, like I have an opportunity to help my employees make more money, have a better life, and that's a really fortunate position. A table of his own. Name, Gerson Cortez Palacios. Age 30. Occupation writer. Lodge, Chico Leland, Stanford, number 111. Gerson Cortez Palacios was a jaded teenager, his words, when he was first exposed to Freemasonry. He was ditching high school in Orange County when a stranger at the library struck up a conversation and mentioned his lodge in Mexico. It really stuck in my mind, Palacios says. I could tell this guy really cherished it. After graduating from college in Chico and feeling an urge to put down roots, he decided to act on that memory. He reached out to Chico Leland Stanford Lodge No. 111 and was invited to a state of meeting dinner. Still, he was apprehensive and a little intimidated at the prospect of joining a group that frankly didn't outwardly resemble him. However, he says, I remember sitting down at the closest table and everyone started talking about Game of Thrones. In my mind, I was like, oh, okay, I'm sitting at the nerd table. I have found my people. That really broke the ice for me. Palacios kept coming back for Thursday morning coffee meetings, growing ever more comfortable with the other members. These were mostly older dudes. A lot of them retired, but they were hilarious, really funny guys, he says. That kind of made the veil of mystique a little more translucent and less scary. It's just dudes hanging out. Now Palacios is assistant secretary for the Lodge, and he's spending the shutdown finishing his first novel, a work of fantasy that draws on his anthropology studies. It's about this idea of an unbreakable connection between humans that we don't realize we have, he says. We have so much more in common than we like to acknowledge. Confidence Man Name, Hrag Bakarian, age 31, occupation nursing home administrator. Lodges, Glendale Lodge number 368 and Roundtable Lodge number 876. Harag Bakirian was just a year into his new job as executive director at the GEM Transitional Care Center when the pandemic hit. Nursing homes like his, especially those serving high-acuity patients, found themselves on the virus's crosshairs. Almost overnight, and with official guidance changing from one moment to the next, Bakarian was responsible for overseeing a massive operational response. That's a tall order for even the most seasoned nursing home administrator. For Bakarian, it was a baptism by fire. At the Pasadena facility, more than 50 residents tested positive. There was a lot of stress, Bakarian says. I had to try to stay calm and keep my confidence level high. 
It was a trying experience, but one that forced Bakarian to grow as a leader. There are things you can't understand until you're in the hot seat, he says. He fell back in part on his experience as Lodge Master of Glendale Lodge Number 368, during which he learned to exude calm while learning on the fly. Though he was only 27 at the time, his Lodge brothers looked to Bakarian to keep the 115-year-old Lodge on track. In 2019, Bakarian reprised his lodge as lodge master at the newly chartered Round Table Number 876. Bakarian was drawn to the close-knit group there, which reminded him of the tight social circles he'd grown up in Aleppo, Syria, before he moved to Southern California with his family at 13. At both lodges, Bakarian says he's drawn inspiration he puts into practice in his professional world. A lot of the Masonic practice is about using it in real life, he says. Absolutely, Freemasonry has shaped me to be what I am today. Learning as you go. Named Joe Resendez, age 22, occupation, software engineer. Lodges, Logos, number 861, Antioch, Brentwood, number 175. Joe Resendez has always learned at his own pace, on the go, which explains how, at 18, he got his start learning computer coding alongside a class of fifth graders, and also how later he wound up designing the curriculum his own teachers used to instruct him. Resendis has a habit of immersing himself fully in his interests, whatever they are. Already something of a polymath, he volunteered during college to teach at a nonprofit children's coding program, despite having no background in the subject. He simply stayed a chapter ahead of his students and learned alongside them. The work resonated, and he devoted himself to learning as much as he could about front-end and back-end systems design. By the time he enrolled in an adult coding boot camp in San Francisco, he was so proficient that he was asked to come up with the group project his fellow students were being taught. I guess that was a little unusual, Resendez concedes with a laugh. That kind of eagerness permeates his non-professional pursuits as well. At just 13, piqued by an interest in philosophy and references to esotericism, he approached his nearest Masonic lodge, Antioch Brentwood Number 175, to learn as much as he could about Freemasonry. Five years later, he petitioned to join. In 2018, he affiliated with Logos Number 861. The same characteristics of curiosity and humanism are evident in Resendez's software designs, many of which have a handmade, almost whimsical quality. A popular project of his is called Woe.CSS, an open-source library of kitschy animated effects users can add to their web pages. For me, coding is the best way to practice creative expression. He says it is really building something out of nothing. Name. Vallejo Johnson, age 34, occupation computer engineer, Lodge, Los Angeles, number 42. Upstanding Citizens Brigade. By his own admission, Vallejo Johnson had to grow up fast. When Johnson was just five years old, his father was diagnosed with HIV, the scope of which did not become entirely clear to Johnson until many years later. With one parent seriously ill and the other in a bitter fight over visitation rights, he says he was drawn to the people around him who exuded stability. He joined the military at 17 and was deployed twice to Iraq and once to Afghanistan. He also served in Germany, Italy, Djibouti, and all over the United States, eventually making sergeant. After returning to civilian life, he earned a degree in information technology and moved to Los Angeles to break into the tech industry. Looking for community, he was reminded that many military officers he had admired were Freemasons, so he approached Los Angeles Lodge Number 42, where he met a group of men whom he immediately felt connected to, including current senior deacon Hal Sparks. The Lodge spoke to Johnson's yen for self-improvement and his interest in morality. It was directly in line with all the good men I'd met in my life, he says. I wanted to be around people who are responsible, who made good decisions. I couldn't hang out with people who weren't like that. 
Ironically, as Johnson recently moved out of town, he's found himself drawn more than ever to his Lodge brothers. As an IT engineer for Hulu, he's free to work remotely and recently purchased a home in Las Vegas, but with a background in software, he was among the first to suggest getting Lodge members together online. Now he hosts Google Meetups every Tuesday. It's a way to keep the Brotherhood alive, he says. Even with the virus, I don't see that ending anytime soon. The Ringer. Name Elway Balmores, age 34, occupation registered nurse. Lodge General Douglas MacArthur, number 853. As a single child of divorced parents, Elway Balmores grew up wanting an older brother. Finally, at age 28, he got one, or rather, he got 98 of them. This is beyond a fraternity. It's a family, Balmores says, of General Douglas MacArthur Lodge, number 853 in Sacramento. Balmores spent his childhood in Santa Cruz, where his parents had emigrated from the Philippines in late 1970s to work in the fields of Watsonville and Salinas. After spending high school in South San Francisco, he returned to his parents' homeland in a college basketball scholarship and earned a nursing degree. He came home to the U.S. after college and found work in Sacramento, where he met past lodge master Enrique Coscuela of General Douglas MacArthur, number 853. Balmora's petitioned to join and at age 28 was raised a master mason, still one of the youngest members in the lodge. I could tell these guys cared about one another, he says. These are people I can go to at 2 a.m. and say I've got a flat tire and they'll be like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. However, Balmora says it wasn't until 2017 that he truly earned his place. When the lodge participated in the annual Traveling Master Mason Weekend in held in San Francisco, a large annual gathering of Filipino Freemasons from across the West. The weekend included a basketball tournament, and Balmora's six-foot-two with college play on his resume was suddenly a hot commodity. General Douglas MacArthur number 853 won the tournament. After that, my age didn't matter anymore, he says with a laugh. A higher calling. Mark Stroop, age 31, occupation, psychotherapist. Lodge, Las Palmas Ponderosa, number 366. Mark Stroop figures he was 10 years old when he had his first existential crisis. I remember asking my parents, what else do you do? He says, you go to work, you come home. That's it? Thus began what's been a lifelong search for higher meaning for Stroop, a quest that led him to Las Palmas Ponderosa Lodge number 366. Freemasonry, with its expansive symbolic language of morality, spoke to Stroop on a deep level. As a result, he's risen quickly, becoming his lodge's first candidate in more than a decade to perform the long-form lectures and degrees. Today, he is senior warden and also high priest of the Royal Arch in the York Rite bodies of Hanford. He also formed a study group for the Scottish Rite Master Craftsman Program and prepares lectures analyzing the degrees. In 2019, he received the rank of Knight Commander of the Court of Honor, making him the youngest such member in the Valley. I really love lecturing and discussing these things with others, he says. These are very cryptic mysteries. They deserve contemplation and meditation. As a juvenile psychotherapist for Fresno County, Stroop works with clients who are recently in psychiatric care. He brings the same studiousness and open-mindedness to his professional work as he does to his Masonic pursuits. A lot of therapy is listening, he says. I guess that's what I do best. Listening, observing, studying. The Rebirth. Name, Chris Carney. Occupation, actor, model. Age 33, Lodge, Liberal Arts, number 677. The beginning of Chris Carney's professional football career was also the end of it. After four years at Kansas State, where he was an all-Big 12 conference player, his body was a shambles. A meniscus tear left him with a bulky knee, then he developed shin splints, he tore a shoulder ligament, he broke a finger, he had hernia surgery. 
Carney was invited to training camp with the NFL's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yet he was realistic about his chances. Sure enough, he didn't last long, so he decided to pack up a U-Haul and give his fallback plan a try, move to L.A. and get into acting. It didn't take long to find work in Hollywood, first in commercials, Pepsi, Caterpillar, Dodge, and eventually acting on TNT's The Good Ship, Fox's 911, Netflix's Lucifer. Even with that success, though, he missed football life. I didn't have that same camaraderie, he says. He found it again in Freemasonry. Carney reached out to his uncle, a lodge master in Massachusetts, who provided him with a letter of introduction to Liberal Arts Number 677 in West L.A. Now Carney says he's found a harmony in his personal and professional life, or as much as one can have when having to be ready for an audition at a moment's notice. Every day is different, he says. I never know what to expect, but I'm having fun. A Kindred Spirit Name, Michael Smoot, age 33, occupation, independent living assistant, lodge, Penryn Gold Hill, number 32. When Michael Smoot takes the plunge, he dives in headfirst. Take Freemasonry. Since being initiated into Penryn Gold Hill, number 32, in 2018, he's amassed a library of nearly 2,000 books on esotericism. He's visited several nearby lodges, and he named his first son Solomon. That enthusiasm seems to permeate all of Smoot's pursuits. Now he's hoping to bring it to a new profession. Since March, Smoot has been studying to become a member of the Sheriff's Department in Placer County. With everything going on, I'm just hoping to make a positive change, he says. Smoot's interest stems from his work as a mental health specialist in which he meets with adult clients with special needs, typically autism or neurological disorders, to help them develop life skills. A lot of special needs adults have to interact with the police, he says, and most police don't have enough training working with them. Volunteering at local police departments, he decided that he was in a unique position to affect that change from within. Within Masonry, Smoot has been cheered on by past Grandmaster John Cooper III, who he met at his first lodge dinner. I had no idea who he was or what a Grandmaster was, but he invited me to his talk after the meeting. Cooper followed up later to ask Smoot about his book collection. The two struck up a friendship that continues today. That's the cool thing about Masonry, Smoot says. Everybody always has been that welcoming. Building Better The Masons of California cast their eyes past the lodge doors and toward 2025 and beyond by Ian A. Stewart Back in January, when Brandon Lippincott and a diverse group of other California Masons were asked to start thinking about the future of the organization, the challenge was to drill down and figure out what was most essential about the fraternity. Close to a year later, the world answered that question for him. I miss my brothers, Lippincott, a member of Conejo Valley Number 807 says. Being stuck at home all the time, I miss being able to see them and hang out and have all the conversations we'd normally have. If there was ever any doubt, the events of 2020 laid bare what Masons have long understood. Friendship is the heart of Freemasonry. A year's worth of research in which the fraternity solicited feedback from members at every level of the organization about the future of California Masonry crystallized that view. To those like Lippincott who've been shut out of their lodges for several months, it echoes what they already feel in their gut. This fall, the Masons of California phased out the 2020 Fraternity Plan, a five-year roadmap drawn up in 2015 and designed to bring the fraternity into the new decade. Now the organization is transitioning to a new plan aimed at 2025 and beyond, developed using feedback gleaned from hundreds of conversations with lodge leaders and committee members and through surveys of current members, prospects, and the general public. 
The new plan aims to position the organization for ongoing success by doubling down on what we do best and by identifying and improving upon areas of weakness. In parallel, the fraternity has for the first time ever developed vision and mission statements intended to serve as lodestars guiding it to the year 2050. At the end of a year-long process, what we've gained is a vision of California Freemasonry that should resonate deeply within all. The world in harmony. What will the fraternity's effect on the world be in 2050? That's the question Lodge leaders were faced with over the past year, when they were asked to imagine a Time cover magazine from the year 2050 dedicated to Freemasonry. What would the headline be? Put another way, what impact will the fraternity have on the world over the next 30 years? What will be lost if Freemasonry ceases to exist? Answers varied, but tended to focus on a few key themes. In particular, those included the importance of relationships among members, across communities, and between people of different backgrounds. From the hundreds of red-bordered magazine covers that were sketched out and then passed forward at leadership retreats and other gatherings, both in person and following the state's shutdown orders in March, over Zoom, came the first glimmer of what would become the fraternity's 2050 vision statement, the world in harmony. It just makes sense, Lippincott says of the statement. It clicks. I feel proud of it. It's something I can share with anyone. Anyone can understand it. We're declaring to ourselves and to the world what we're about. That vision is intentionally ambitious and aspirational. It describes the future that Freemasonry is always working toward. To support it, a mission statement describes the way the organization intends to bring that vision about. Building peace and understanding through friendship, service, and self-improvement. Neither statement should register as a shift away from the 300-year history of the craft. What's new, leaders say, is explicitly outlining that vision. It's about answering the question, where are we going, says newly installed Grandmaster Arthur Weiss. If you're only thinking five or ten years down the road, that's a limitation. You need to start by saying where you're going, where you want to be, then you can figure out the strategies you need to get there. Working backward from that result, the next step was to build out a framework for the 2025 plan centered on the key themes that emerged from internal and public surveys, as well as committee brainstorming sessions and member feedback. The three pillars. The previous five-year plan focused on strengthening the organizational foundation of the fraternity, centralizing Lodge's administrative tasks, improving back-end membership systems, and freeing up everyone to focus on the aspects of Freemasonry that drew them to the craft in the first place. The new 2025 plan builds on that by keying in on ways that lodges can more fully realize their potential. That work is organized along three pillars, true friendships, diversity and harmony, and positive awareness. Feedback, both internal and external, consistently shows that friendship, variously described as fellowship, fraternity, and brotherhood, is Masonry's most cherished attribute. In fact, three-quarters of members surveyed ranked it as the part of Freemasonry they valued most. Over the next five years, initiatives developed by Grand Lodge and in individual lodges should revolve around that concept. That means everyone from prospects to lodge officers should have an excellent membership experience. What research shows is the biggest differentiator between the engaged and unengaged members. About 58% of surveyed members indicated that their lodge rated either excellent or good, but 38% said their lodge experience was neutral and 5% rated their lodges poorly. Clearly, there is room for improvement. Improving the membership experience can mean lots of things, making stated meetings more efficient, more engaging, and easier to attend, helping prospects find the lodge that suits them best, placing more emphasis on tradition or increasing opportunities for fellowship, things like lodge nights at the ballpark or drink nights or coffee meetups. The answers won't be the same for every lodge. 
what all share is a need to create the kind of atmosphere where members are comfortable and engaged enough to make the deep friendships that keep them in the fraternity for life. That is the first pillar of the plan. Diversity and Harmony Masons pride themselves on welcoming a diverse group of men into their brotherhood. The need to create a welcoming environment for members of all backgrounds emerged as a top priority. Lodge harmony is one of the greatest indicators for members of whether they are or aren't engaged in their lodge. Feedback shows that the most common causes for lodge disharmony are bickering and politicking among members, the existence of cliques within lodges, and the generational divide between young and old. Crucially, lodges must ensure that they're welcoming to people of all backgrounds. For example, the study showed that 83% of Latino prospects, who when surveyed indicated high levels of enthusiasm for Freemasonry, cite the need for lodges to be more welcoming to people of all ethnicities. Accordingly, expanding member diversity, both at the lodge level and in the fraternity's leadership, will be a point of emphasis moving forward. Devin Hicks of Menifee Lodge Valley Number 289, another member of the strategic planning group who helped craft the public survey, says it's an important goal that many lodges haven't grappled with. If you don't experience it, you just can't know, he says. When I joined my lodge, I was the only black person. Some people were shocked that there could be any kind of prejudice in a lodge. I'm not shocked. It's everywhere in our communities. Whether by improving training or through other kinds of outreach, it's imperative that lodges live up to the highest Masonic ideals of tolerance and celebrate diversity. Positive Awareness The third pillar of the 2025 plan, perhaps the greatest differentiator from past plans, is improving positive awareness of the fraternity among the general public. Historically, Freemasons have directed their focus inward. Now we want to look beyond the lodge door. Masons have long struggled to articulate the benefits of membership to outsiders. Many assume they're barred from discussing the fraternity unless asked about it first. According to survey data, 57% of California Masons said they, incorrectly, believed they needed weight to be asked. Only a third said they actively promote the organization to others. The irony is that, overwhelmingly, Masons first learn about the fraternity through their family members and friends, in other words, by those close to them, talking about it. By encouraging members to speak openly about the fraternity with the people in their lives, we can increase Freemasonry's profile and reach, attract new prospects, and counter some of the negative stereotypes that endure in popular culture. If I'm empowered to discuss Masonry, that's going to bring more members in, Hicks says. Everything flows from that. For people to be aware that the Masons are here in the community, they have to see us. It's not exactly a sea change, but for some lodges it's a significant departure, since members are known to avoid the limelight. By highlighting lodges' charitable and philanthropic work, developing powerful public relations materials, and arming Masons with talking points and stressing the fact that they can, and should, talk openly about their membership, the fraternity can correct misperceptions and capitalize on what's already a strong base of awareness in California. Statewide, 49% of men knew the Masons more than the Lions, Elks, or Kiwanis. When folks see what we're trying to do and how we're doing it, it's going to attract the right people, Lippincott says. Society is looking for some type of coherent logical guidance that pays attention to the emotional factors of our human existence, and I think these pillars address that. Digging Deep The depth and breadth of research that Masons drew on to develop the 2025 plan was unprecedented for the fraternity. By inviting such a wide range of feedback, it challenged outmoded ideas about the organization. In a way, it's not so much the specific wording of the plan that really matters, says James Lee of Prometheus Lodge No. 851, whose professional work as a corporate consultant involves developing similar kinds of business plans. 
It's the process of going through it that matters. You have to have a realistic idea of where you are in order to see where you're going to go. Without that, it's all just wishful thinking. Along with forcing the fraternity to take a fresh look at precisely where it stands in the world today, that work helped underscore several advantages Freemasonry already enjoys. For instance, despite certain negative perceptions by the public, conspiracy theories, Illuminati, etc., eligible non-members who were surveyed indicated that they'd be more open to joining the Freemasons than any other service organization. Nearly two-thirds pointed to the fraternity's long history, tradition, and philosophy as positives, while one-third mentioned its leadership training. Inside the craft, Masons continue to place enormous value on their membership. Close to 90% said they expected to remain Masons for life. For Lee, that boils down to the familiar refrain, true friendship. My dad died recently, he says, and all week I had Lodge brothers reaching out, spending an hour on the phone, asking how I'm doing. That's just something totally different than what you get from your work colleagues and even some friends. The depth of friendship and the intimacy I've experienced is not something I'd ever have associated with a group like this. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and Lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.